Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Kate Fisher? Hey, Kate, are you okay? Hey. Oh, no. Today we are paying tribute to Anna Farmer, a beloved daughter, a loving mother. This is unbearable. Yeah. She wanted you to have this. We never got to see those lights in Palmer Cathedral, but you still can. Second of Feb, 9 a.m. That's in five days. Why she left us four tickets? She wants us to go back. Nine Inches. I'm reading a book called Nine Inches by Colin Bateman. I'm Dan. Oh. Anna loved Blondie. <laughs> the train is broken. Oh my God, it can't be! We'll never make it in time. Don't worry, we'll find a way. She's having a baby to go in. You can do this, Cassie. <laughs> this is not on my bucket list. <laughs> Of the 32 symptoms of menopause, I have 34. <laughs> to the English ladies and the beautiful American. Somebody's happy. I've been trying to make American pancakes. Mm. Inedible. Imagine what we're all going to be like when we see the lights at Palmer. I need a pastry and a lie down. About to steal a boat. I am an American citizen. We've lost Maddie. I won't lose her. Jesus. Anyone order a midlife crisis? It's nearly nine. Quick. You cannot miss it this time. She thought the world of you. There's so much out there. Then let's go and get it. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovic, and this is episode number 392. Releasing across North America on December 10 on digital and video on demand is Off the Rails, a comedic drama that tells the story of three 50-something women who recreate their inter-railing adventure across Europe in honour of their close friend who passed away. Featuring a terrific cast, including Sally Phillips, Judy Dench and the late, great Kelly Preston, Off the Rails also marks a feature film directorial debut of Jules Williamson. I'm glad to say he joins me now on the podcast. Jules, I thank you so very much for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thank so, you for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, reading up just about uh, this movie, Off the Rails, you know, it was inspired from, from what I read from a 
interrailing trip that uh, you and your friends had when you were, I believe, uh, 19 years old. Um, I'm just curious, what was it about that time, that trip, that really stayed with you to such an extent that it formed the basis for the movie that I just watched only a couple of nights ago? Well, I thought we uh, had promised each other, you see, when we were 19 that we would do this interrail journey again. And we kind of went in different directions, even though we were still very close. We all had different lives. We had different priorities. And so I could see as we were in our mid-30s that it was unlikely we would do this. Hmm. And at the same time, um, I was thinking, like many people do, a little bit, you know, is this actually exactly where I wanted to be uh, as I approached 40 or I'm in my mid-30s? And that the song that we used to dance to uh, a lot, um, every night, in fact, when we were in the the Greek part of our interrail um, in a, in a very, uh, very cool bar. We used to dance every night to um, once in a lifetime talking heads. Yes. And that line, which everybody knows about waking up in the morning and asking yourself, how did I get here? It, it you know, it, it really kept going around in my head. And I thought, how interesting if these women not the same as characters as my friends. They're, they're, they're obviously made up characters, but what would happen if they did the same journey and their lives had gone off track? They weren't the lives that they'd wanted and hoped for and talked about when they were 19 on this journey. And they'd actually become estranged from each other as well. Uh, but they were forced to go on this journey by one of the friends who died. Um, it was her quest that she gave them because she realised that, you know, they were kind of floundering with their lives and that she wanted them to get back on track and to find a new beginning for themselves. And so this was at a time where I was making my first short film, uh, Tattoo, and it was uh, nominated for a BAFTA and it won the Palm Springs Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So it was very exciting and I was asked to meetings and, I talked about this film, but the response was uh, cautious because there was no evidence that a film about women in midlife um, would make money and people didn't really quite get, they liked the idea, but they were not going to take a risk. So um, it was very frustrating and it was mainly, you know, an industry led by men. So I think... As time went on and films like um, Mamma Mia and films like Bridesmaids did well commercially, although Bridesmaids is a slightly younger demographic, yes. and films like Blue Jasmine um, were very successful. Obviously, that was an award winner. And Kate Blanchett gave her rallying cry in her Oscar acceptance speech about the industry waking up to the fact that films about women made money. And, um, and, of course, women want to see themselves on screen. They want to see their stories being told. So I decided, you know, this was the time to revisit this idea and to try and get it made. Helping you get the film made was uh, Jordan Wala. He did the screenplay for the movie. He's a very interesting young man. How did he get involved with the film? Uh, well, uh, Bill asked him to write the script, and um, uh, he's very witty. He's very funny. 
Um, I mean, he's much, much wittier than I am. And so, you know, he, um, you know, he was an absolute joy to work with. He was wonderful. Uh, so he'd written a play, which is in the West End, which was based on his own life. Yes. Um, it was about being brought up by two women uh, who um, had obviously had a massive influence on him. And so he really got older women and he's a very old head on a very young man. And so, you know, having met him, it seems actually a sort of perfect foil to me really. Um, and I think we all work very successfully together. I mentioned the cast in my introduction. The film also has uh, Jenny Seagrove, um, uh, mentioned Judy Dench, Sally Phillips, uh, Kelly Preston, um, Elizabeth Dormer Phillips, who's uh, almost kind of new. She's done some TV, but this is her uh, feature film debut as well. You know, mm. one thing that I really took from the film is the camaraderie between the cast is just so strong. This looks like a, a fun movie to make. And every movie, of course, there is difficulties because, you know, filming a movie, there's stakes evolved, uh, et cetera. But this looks like a fun movie to make. Was the camaraderie, uh, that was just pouring off the screen, that infectious fun, was that something that was really um, evident as well while filming the movie? Yeah, it was completely real. Uh, wonderful. It was, um, we were uh, like a gang, really, me and the actresses, but the also one of the producers, Arabella Page Croft, we were, and we still have a WhatsApp group, we still, you know, are in contact with each other all the time, It's it's, which is, you know, quite a legacy. Um, but, I think you know they, the actresses, bonded very quickly, and they had an extraordinary connection between them. And so that was the first thing. And the second thing was they knew it was based on my life, and they 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 were very interested in that. They really liked that. Um, and I've done. I trained as an actress myself. I went to drama school for three years, and I did some acting, and then. I'd worked in documentaries as well. So those two things were very important in the style of directing that I brought to it. And I wanted them to, to be kind of given some freedom to play and to be real and to allow that real friendship to spill onto the screen. Um, so that was that's very much the kind of gang that we were. But then also the crew were so uh uh, close you know we were like a, a very close family and interestingly I was in Mallorca recently we won an award at the film festival evolution film festival mm-hmm. um which is which is fabulous and I we had a special screening for the crew and they were saying the Mallorcan crew were saying how much they loved it and how special it was to them because a they loved the story and they loved the fact that it was based on a true story in my life and secondly that you know there were no sort of it wasn't, there were no sort of barriers between us, certainly me and them. And they're, they're used to working on films. I have a lot of American films that go there, which are, you know, the director is very much, um, uh, sorry about that. Okay. Um, you know, the director is quite removed, um, but I, I, that's just not the way I operate. You know, they were just, we're just a big family all together. So, that was important. And then the fact we were filming so fast, we filmed 38 locations in 26 days wow. across four countries. So, you know, we really needed to be a well-oiled machine, which we were. And um, I think that the closeness of the cast 
and the, the, the closeness of the crew and the kind of lack of barriers between the crew and the cast meant that we were working, you know, very efficiently together as well as it being a, I mean, it was, it was a joyful, joyful experience and we laughed so much and we cried a lot, you know. Well, I certainly cried a lot <laughs> because I was seeing, you know, all this, all this material that I'd had in my head for years. Um, and, you know, it was, it was important to me as well because I'd lost my friend and it's a tribute to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the idea was very personal to me. So when to actually see it on screen, seeing them realise it, uh, as we did in particular scenes, was um, just, just remarkable, actually. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favourite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. You know, you mentioned before um, during your own trip when you uh, were at the age of 19 that you and your friends were dancing to uh, Talking Heads. A big part of the film is the soundtrack, especially with the songs from Blondie. Um, and Blondie has a special place in my heart. My older sister was a diehard Debbie Harry fan um, to the point where she pretty much, like, you know, changed her look to look like Debbie Harry, which, which I'm sure a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, uh, teenage girls did back, you know, you know, you know in the late 70s or early 80s. How did uh, Blondie become such a big part of, of this uh, this this um, story? Um, was Blondie something that was a big part of your life as well growing up? Yes. So I was, you know, I, I didn't change what I looked like particularly, but you know, like like your sister and lots of other um, girls of, of of my age when Blondie was uh, first on the scene. We're just blown away by Debbie Harry. I mean, I'd never seen anything like her. And, yeah. you know, she's so, yeah, it's inspired to be like her. And, um, I mean, I was never remotely as cool as that. <laughs> but, you know, I thought she was amazing. And um, so I loved Blondie and I loved Debbie Harry. And I wanted Anna to um, have wanted to be Debbie Harry. And um, so that became part of the story. And also I was very influenced by the big chill uh, which I loved 
and got all my Interrail friends to watch um, when I first discovered it. And obviously the iconic soundtrack is 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 massive part of that film. And uh, music's always been really important to me, hugely important in everything I've done. And so when I met Bill Kenwright um, for the first time, Arabella introduced me to him, Arabella, the other producer, and she she also loved music and loves a big chill. And Bill turned out to be a massive fan of the big chill. And then um, as we were about to start filming, he, because he loved music, he talked to me about the soundtrack and said, what about a Blondie soundtrack? Mm. So I was, you know, one of those moments I'll never forget. I was absolutely blown away by the idea that we were going to have a film and it was, it was the whole soundtrack was going to be Blondie. You know, there's a lot of, of ways you can describe the journey that these characters go through in your movie. I think a word that stuck struck with me um, was pilgrimage, um, especially considering that the all this journey ends in this uh, cathedral in Palma, which is in uh, Mallorca, which I believe is, is in Spain. Is, is that correct? It is, yes. And the interesting thing about this place is that uh, twice a year, I think it's in February and November, there's like this, this phenomenon that happens where um, the the cathedral kind of lights up with natural light. And that's kind of like the whole point of why um, they, these characters are there because message from the start of the film from their friends says that they they want all these all these people to be together at the same time when this natural uh, event occurs. Um, that, that cathedral itself, is that something that you came across in your travels? Um, is that how you knew about it? If not, how did that kind of cathedral uh, kind of become part of this journey with these characters? Well, when we were um, deciding on the, well, it wasn't me who decided on the budget, when the producers were discussing the budget, I it occurred to me that Mallorca could um, stand in for, well, obviously Spain, but also Paris and Italy. Mm. And um, it seemed to, you know, suddenly make the budget work. Um, and we went on a recce. I'd already spoken to Palma Pictures, who were the, production company we work with out there and said you know what do you think and they said oh yeah no we've, we've done this before we can we can cover those countries and we can they can we can stand in for those countries so we went on the recce and when we were there Trent who was one of the people in charge at Palmer Pictures spoke to Sarah Sullick one of the producers and told her about the Light of God festival and uh, so we discussed the idea of this becoming the finale, if you like, the 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 end point, their destination. But I love the fact you use um, uh, the word pilgrimage because I kind of wanted a slightly spiritual aspect to the film, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not speci- I'm not specifically religious. Um, my friend Emma was, um, and you know, we all have our own take on spirituality, don't we? So um, whatever that might be, but it made a lot of sense to me. And um, I was really, really excited about it. I felt that we'd found this really, really special focus for the film um, and that it kind of seemed to make sense of everything. It was, it was, it was, it was I've sort of forgotten until we're talking about it now, how, um, yeah, how, how, how excited I was about it and, and sort of, 
Yeah, so I think it, it's been brilliant that we've been able to do that. But the journey is a kind of pilgrimage. Obviously, it's a pilgrimage for, for, for Anna, but it's also their own pilgrimage, isn't it? And I think people go on pilgrimages to rediscover who they are and what they want from their lives. Final question. Um, this movie is dedicated for Kelly Preston. Um, the last words of the film is for Kelly. Um, this was her last performance. She's one of those actors that, you know, for a lot of people, my generation included, we grew up watching her on the screen. And actually, only a month or so ago, I was watching a movie and, and there she was, um, just on the screen, one in one of her earlier roles. Um, what was it like working uh, with Kelly? Um, and what does it feel like knowing that her final performance in such a beautiful performance it was, was in your movie? Um, it was an extraordinary experience working with her. And I, I loved working, I loved working with all the actresses and it was a very enriching experience to have spent that time collaborating with them and being part of their gang and having that time together in, in such a unique um, filming experience as well. But she, she was um, really a very, very special woman. Um, and I don't say that um, because she's passed. I felt that and thought that when I was getting to know her and when I was working with her. And she had um, so much um, joy in life and living and brought so much um, fun to every day and um, had so much charisma. You know, she kind of lit the room up. One yes. of those people who literally lights the room up when she came on set and walked into a room. And, and you, uh, very few people I've ever met who can do that. Um, so she had that quality about her, which is obviously what made her a movie star. And you can't learn that or buy that. You just have it. And she had it. So um, it felt kind of, you know, very, um, I felt very fortunate to, to, to work with somebody like that. But she was also very open. Uh, she had a very open heart, a very generous heart. And she was very loving. And um, I always felt, to, to everybody, uh, the crew absolutely adored her. And she had so much fun with them. And we had so much fun with her. And she made, you know, every day, like a sort of party atmosphere. Um, but what I love about her performance is she also brings so much depth of emotion. Mm -hmm. And obviously the film story has so much resonance with her and her own experience and what happened to her. Um, and I didn't know she was uh, ill um, until she passed. So um, it was, you know, for all of us, heart-wrenching, just heartbreaking. Um, and it has been difficult to, you know, release the film in the UK um, and obviously now um, in North America, without her being part of that, it's it's really hard. Um, and, you know, I think audiences will find it um, a very emotional experience watching her in it. But what I would say is I think that it's a fantastic celebration of Kelly and 
the actress that she is. And I know that that's what she would want. She would want this film to be a celebration of her. And I think that's how everybody um, must see it. Uh, because she, she really was something else. So for everyone out there listening, Off the Rails, releasing December 10 across North America on digital and video on demand. Jules Williamson, I thank you so very much for your time today. Congratulations on your future film debut. And um, hopefully we can talk again in the future. I can't wait to see more movies from you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you.